Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the June 22nd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. And yes, you guessed it. What else would I talk about today? Election results, of course. I will cover the state and local elections here in Georgia and Augusta and offer you my unique spin on what happened and why. And you all know if you've been following Local Matters for a while that these are my favorite types of shows because I like to analyze uh, who won, why they won, what happened, just that whole uh, dynamic of why voters make the choices that they do is simply fascinating to me. But before we get to that, I have to do what I always do, and that is remind you to listen to and share Local Matters with everyone who needs to know about the great information and analysis that we provide. Obviously, there are many ways to listen to Local Matters, one of which is the radio version here on WKZK every Wednesday afternoon at 1.30. There's also a podcast version for those who uh, don't have time to listen to the radio in, on Wednesday afternoons. You can listen to Local Matters anytime you want to by accessing a podcast. Those are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And there's one very easy way to get to all of those. If you don't know how to go through Apple and SoundCloud, that's one way to do it. Um, also, though, easy to go to my website. That is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com, where you will find the Local Matters tab. And just go there, find any episode, click on it, listen. Also, we just created another method to get to the Local Matters podcast in an easy way, and that is my Facebook page. You know, I used to post all of my episodes on my personal page. Uh, recently, within the last couple of weeks, we decided to branch out and create a Local Matters Facebook page. So you just go to Local Matters. All the episodes will be there. Uh, and then even people who are not connected with me on my personal page can go to the Local Matters page to listen to those episodes. So again, if you're on social media, local, uh, the Facebook page is going to be an easy way to do it. If you're not on Facebook, you can always still go to my website or to uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. And we also created one other thing that we just announced last week, and that is a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is called Local Matters of Georgia. And every now and then I'll do videos. I won't promise that that's going to be really, really often. Uh, but every now and then I'll do a video that will be posted there. So you can go uh, to YouTube to get some of the great Local Matters content as well. Uh, this time around, today we're going to to start with the statewide races. If you picked up a Republican ballot or a nonpartisan ballot, there weren't any statewide races on there because all of those offices were determined on May 24th during the primary. 
However, on the Democratic side, there were several statewide races on the ballot. Those were the Commissioner of Insurance, Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, and Commissioner of Labor. Uh, for those of you uh, like myself, like all of us, you know, at the statewide level, we don't necessarily know these folks who are on the ballot. So we rely upon endorsements. Many times we see who it is that we might trust who has endorsed some of those candidates. Um, I was um, pretty much looking at the same things, although, you know, I try to do a little research too to find out more about those individuals. I read the mail that come, came to my house. And uh, sometimes that mail was, of course, just from those candidates who were most well-funded and who could afford to send out some mail. Um, so I, I looked at things like that, read some newspaper articles, um, but many Georgians did what people typically do, and that is indeed to listen to somebody that they might trust. In this case, it was the Democratic nominee for governor, who is Stacey Abrams. She endorsed candidates in three of those statewide races. Uh, she endorsed Charlie Bailey for Lieutenant Governor, B. Wynn for Secretary of State, and William Bodie for Commissioner of Labor. All three of those candidates prevailed with over 60% of the vote. And if you look at them and read up on them as I did, you'll find that demographically, they are an interesting mix. Charlie Bailey is a 39-year-old white male lawyer who lost a race for attorney general in 2018 and decided to get back out and run again. Uh, B. Nguyen is a 40-year-old Vietnamese-American with roots in Columbia County here in the CSRA and who represents the same seat that Stacey Abrams did when she was in the Georgia House of Representatives, which I believe is based in the Decatur area. And um, William Bodie is a 45-year-old black male attorney and state representative from East Point. So um, those are the candidates that were endorsed by Ms. Abrams and they all won handy victories. Also, from what I can tell, Ms. Abrams did not endorse anyone in the race for insurance commissioner, but the Democratic nomination was won by Janice, even though her name is spelled the same as mine, J-A-N-I-C-E, she calls it Janice. Janice Laws Robinson, who is an insurance agent who has been on the ballot before, she ran back in 2018, actually did pretty well, um, had a narrow loss there and decided to get back on the ballot this time around. Um, she is a 44-year-old African-American woman. So if you look at the ages of those candidates for those statewide offices, 39, 40, 45, 44, it looks like the Democratic Party has chosen to tend younger which I'm sure they are hoping means that they will draw more younger voters to the polls because the candidates are people who look like them. Also the diversity, you think uh, Vietnamese, uh, female, uh, black, male, white, male, just a lot of different uh, uh, demographic categories that are represented there, which 
I'm sure our, the Democratic Party is hoping means that they are a better reflection of uh, our Georgia and will therefore be more attractive uh, when we have to go back to the polls on November 8th. Uh, Tuesday, November 8th is that date. Uh, please mark that on your calendars right now. Um, because that is at the time you have to realize that these candidates I just discussed realize that I won the Democratic nominations. They will be facing Republicans and perhaps libertarians, independents, you know, folks from other parties. So this is not over. Uh, let's take this break from now June to November. We have a few moments to learn, a few months to learn about uh, the candidates who will be representing those other parties and to learn more about the Democratic candidates that have been put forth uh, so that, again, you can be prepared when it's time to go into the booth on November 8th. Now, as we uh, move forward to discuss those races that were on the ballot here in Augusta, Georgia, um, for the most part, I think all of us at the local level had either one or two offices on our ballot, depending upon the district in which we live. In my case, I reside in District 1, which means mayor, mayor was the only office for which I cast a vote. Uh, district 2 had a runoff election, and of course, District 10 uh, also had uh, a runoff election. Uh, and we were fortunate enough here on Local Matters to have uh, all of those uh, on our program uh, at one point or another, uh, the mayoral candidates who made the runoff, as well as the District 2 and District 10 candidates who made the runoff, uh, they all made a stop here by Local Matters, and I'm very uh, happy about the fact that they did that. Um, in District 2, Stacey Pulliam won a pretty easy victory. Uh, she had about 45% of the vote on May 24th during the primary, and she got over 64% of the vote uh, in the runoff. The translation of this is that she was able to beat the curse of being the leading vote getter in the primary uh, by holding on to being the le leading vote getter in the runoff. Uh, as I talk to people who listen to her interviews here on Local Matters and at the various candidate forums, people told me that she came across as someone who was sincerely interested in people and that sincerity, as well as her willingness to get out and address any crowd anywhere, took her to victory. Ms. Pulliam, in her first run for office, also raised almost twice as much money as her opponent, who was Dr. Vaughn Pouncey. Ms. Pulliam also has a familiar last name. Her mother-in-law is a former school board member, and she also appears to have a listening ear that we truly hope will make a difference as she serves on the dais of the Augusta Commission and also hopefully translate into uh, something positive for how uh, the local government here in Augusta responds to the public. In Super District 10, which again, it's called a super district because it's comprised of four separate districts, being District 3, 6, 7, and 8. Um, that boiled down to a race between two people who served on the commission before. Uh, one was the incumbent John Clark, who almost won outright on May 24th. He had 49% of the vote. Uh, he received over 9,000 votes then, but 
only got 5,500 uh, on yesterday. Um, and in this case, the curse of the leading vote getter did persist, uh, just like in all three of the commission races that went to runoffs in 2020. Uh, Wayne Guilfoyle, who's a former District 8 commissioner, where he served for two terms, a total of eight years, jumped from 31% of the vote on May 24th in the primary, all the way up to 56% of the vote. Uh, where you even had a much smaller turnout this time around. Last time the voter turnout was about 28%. This time the voter turnout was only around 19%, but he actually picked up 1,400 more votes, uh, um, which is to say he really picked up a lot of ground. Uh, it appears as if he probably picked up a number of votes from the third person who was in the race during the primary, that being Robert Cooks. Uh, and he was able to just get out there, stay consistent with his message, and won pretty handily at 56% of the vote. Also of note is that he raised about five times as much money as the uh, current commissioner and incumbent John Clark. Uh, Mr. Guilford raised about $50,000, including uh, a loan he made to himself. And Mr. Clark, Commissioner Clark, only raised a little under $10,000. So by comparison, the incumbent was severely underfunded. Also remarkable that Mr. Guilford picked up so many endorsements from former elected officials. So many of those people that he served with previously were willing to put their names out there as people who endorse and recommend him to return to the Augusta Commission. Also, I will note that the commission that Wayne Guilford returns to looks substantially different from the commission that he left at the end of 2018. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Frantum is the only commissioner that was there in 2018 that's still there. Uh, although we also note that I believe he also served with Alvin Mason uh, previously. Uh, he and uh, Alvin Mason had served together uh, up through the end of 2014. Uh, and then, of course, Alvin Mason was off the commission uh, Mr. Guilford stayed, but um, so he'll see a couple of, of familiar faces, people he's worked with, but it'll be a largely different commission uh, when you factor in all the other changes that have taken place in those other offices. Uh, Mr. Guilford has emphasized the need for fiscal responsibility, which is consistent with his uh, first two terms on the commission. It is also notable that Mr. Guilford comes back representing a larger and much more diverse uh, group of residents when you factor in uh, the income levels and uh, the demographic characteristics of uh, the folks who are in District 10 compared with District 8. This of course brings me to the race for mayor of Augusta. I was not surprised by the outcome of the race, only by the margin of victory. You all know that I love politics as a spectator sport, and I also surround myself with people who love it too. In the weeks since May 24th, based upon my conversations with others, mostly but not exclusively other African-American women, 
I heard many conversations about what they perceived as their options. Option one was to vote for Garnett Johnson. Option two was to not vote at all. One person in a moment of brutal honesty said, sometimes you go to the polls, not so much to support one candidate as you do to vote against the other one. And that was where she found herself. I heard enough variations on that theme to expect Garnett Johnson to win with about 55% of the vote. Well, the final tally was 53.4 or a margin of 1,697 votes. Of course, it also appears that many of our registered voters here in Augusta took the option of not voting at all, as only 19.28% of registered voters actually cast a ballot. That means that fewer than 25,000 people actually voted, meaning only 12% of Augustans made a decision for everyone else. As I looked at this race, and you know, I do a lot of fact checking uh, when I get into these uh, conversations. One of the things that surprised me as I looked at the data, and I will tell you, it's pretty easy to find this data. You just go to AugustaGA.gov, uh, Board of Elections and election results. And you can actually look at election results going back a few decades, a couple, at least a couple of decades. And one of the things that I, uh, notice was that Stephen Kendrick, of course, had run for mayor before. Uh, he lost in a race against Deke Copenhaver back in 2006. There were several other candidates in that race to include former fire chief Ronnie Few. And uh, I think there were a total of four candidates. Deke Copenhaver won outright, I believe, with about 65% of the vote. And uh, Stephen, at that point, only received about, uh, only received 12.79%. Deke Copenhaver had 65.75%. Uh, Ronnie Few had 17.5%. Gil Gilliard had 3.86%. And Stephen Kendrick had 12.79%. So uh, that uh, was Mr. Kendrick's first run for mayor, of course, unsuccessful there. He then ran for tax commissioner for the first time in 2008. Regarding uh, Mr. Kendrick's first race for tax commissioner, um, July 15, 2008, uh, he actually ran in the Democratic primary, had two opponents, uh, Tommy Boyles and Sanford Lloyd. Uh, the race, uh, the votes were almost split in thirds. Uh, Stephen Kendrick got 37.8%, Tommy Boyles 33%, and Stanford Lloyd 29.1%. Uh, so that sent them into a runoff with the two top vote getters being Kendrick and Boyles. Um, they were engaged in a runoff on October 5th, 2008. Uh, Kendrick got 65.3% of the vote against uh, Tommy Boyles to win that race. So, and then in the 
November uh, general election, I believe Mr. Kendrick was unopposed. So uh, this was uh, when Kendrick first became tax commissioner in the subsequent years, 2012, because that's a four year term, 12, 16 and 20. I believe he ran unopposed in each one of those races. Some of the folks that I considered to be uh, close friends of each other, you know, based upon what I had seen and heard from them in the past, actually made different decisions about which candidates they were going to support. Um, also, it was uh, pretty obvious uh, from the beginning that uh, Stephen Kendrick had picked up a huge number of endorsements. Um, I think there were four sitting commissioners that supported Mr. Kendrick. Uh, there were also a number of statewide, it's not statewide, but excuse me, members of our local legislative delegation. I think at least three of those had endorsed Mr. Kendrick. And then there were some former elected officials who endorsed him. So he got a lot of endorsements from elected officials. And um, this really speaks to the fact that while we as the public may have elected them, uh, we don't necessarily want them to tell us what to do. Um, as I look also at, um, you know, what were the factors that led to Garnett Johnson's victory? There are a number of things that I took note of. Uh, one was that he ran on a platform of change in a way that seemed similar to me that Barack Obama did when he ran against John McCain in 2008. Um, Barack Obama's theme was change you can believe in. Um, what I saw on some signs earlier, the campaign signs for Garnett Johnson were just, you know, his picture of strategy action results, which was his theme. Uh, later on, I began seeing signs that just said change. And as I talked to some of those folks that I mentioned earlier, one of them said, I think I'm casting a vote for change, uh, which is kind of an interesting strategy when not running against an incumbent, but it worked for uh, Barack Obama, and it worked for Garnett Johnson in this instance. One of the next points that uh, was noticed, not lost on voters as they observed Mr. Johnson on the campaign trail, was that his wife, uh, Tony Seals Johnson, was with him most of the time. Not every single time, but a lot of those times when he was out uh, at various public events, he did news conferences, et cetera. The pictures that came with the postcards and the mail included his wife, sometimes included his daughters. Um, it was apparent that he was a family man and that's something that people really like in politics. And I think that was a factor for him. Uh, next, he got a boost from some of his endorsements as we talked about on the side, Mr. Kendricks, he had a lot of endorsements. Uh, on the side of uh, Mr. Johnson, probably not as many, although there were several uh, media outlets or community groups, civic associations and things like that that did endorse him. Uh, one of the biggest endorsements he got, I believe, and most helpful was from Deke Copenhaver, former mayor. Uh, Deke Copenhaver was a big winner. I consider in these elections because he was also one of the folks that endorsed Wayne Guilfoyle. So um, his candidates fared quite well. Also, you recognize that uh, Garnett Johnson was successful in getting the endorsement of at least three of the mayoral candidates uh, who were unsuccessful on May 24th. And all of that contributed to his being able to uh, get the number of votes necessary to get over the 50% mark. 
Also, uh, it was obvious just from the way that uh, Garnett Johnson and his team worked was that they didn't take this election for granted. Um, they had a strategy. They stayed with the strategy. Um, everything from the color choices, the choice of the campaign headquarters being uh, a former Popeyes, I believe, on Windsor Spring and Tobacco Road, uh, where they had weekly events. They invited people in just to, you know, have some snacks and talk. Um, the appearance at various uh, public festivals and parades, you know, the Juneteenth Parade, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, um, the Sunday night concerts down at the Common. Uh, also on election day, he did as many precincts as he could. I mean, he was continually working, continually visible. Uh, it was just a really strategic uh, campaign on his part. And, and that's what it normally takes to win uh, most of these elections. Also, he has what I call Chamber of Commerce appeal, uh, which is to say that, yes, he's been on the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce for quite some time here in Augusta, and that's the Augusta Metro Chamber. Uh, he also built some connections with the Black Chamber of Commerce um, and it helped raise their profile as well, I think, for him to be at their events. Uh, and it was apparent that he was trying to do uh, some things to bring people together in a way that historically they had not. So um, all those factors contributed to his success. Um, and um, because of those things, uh, Garnett Johnson is now the 85th mayor of Augusta. Also, of course, on election night, I talked to some friends, you know, they gave me their feedback. Uh, one of the most intriguing questions, I will say, is uh, will the people who voted for him, endorsed him, campaigned for him, will those people do what is necessary to ensure his success now that he's won the office? Uh, sometimes people believe that it is uh, in their best interest to keep this thing going, keep the success going. Sometimes they say, oh, we won the election and it's over. So this person asked, I wonder if they're gonna work toward his success. And I wonder if they're gonna be positioned actually uh, to, in places where they really can be helpful. Um, obviously as an Augusta, native Augusta, Love Augusta, um, despite its warts at times, and we all know what we're talking about. Um, I congratulate these winners. I ask the losers to stay connected. And I ask that all of us prioritize and put Augusta first. Now, do I have any role other than a basic Augusta taxpayer and somebody who happens to be on the radio and have a podcast? Do I have any other pulpit from which to speak of that. No, not really. I'm just somebody who's concerned about the future of our city. Um, both of the candidates for mayor throughout this process talked about the lack of growth uh, in Augusta and what that means for us. Um, in that way, their messages were similar. Um, I ask all of these folks who uh, staked positions in this very uh, bruising and divisive race. 
to now say, yes, we have a reason to come together and work together. Uh, hopefully this election is a turning point for us. Uh, in some ways, the signals don't make it look that way when you think only, uh, you know, a small number of 25,000 folks actually got out and voted. But the rest of us are going to have to stand behind the decision that that 25,000 made. So I ask that as somebody who loves Augusta, as a taxpayer in Augusta, all of us are just going to have to come together, acknowledge that we have some common goals and nothing is bigger or more important than our ability to work together to make Augusta a better place. Again, thanks so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. We love you. Please join us next week here. Um, we'll have another intriguing topic. I'm still fleshing out what we're going to do for next week, uh, but please stay with us. It's been a great election season, uh, but Local Matters doesn't exist just for elections. We've got other things that we're here for as well. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.